0: No, okay so um yep little bit of a redirect this morning um it's so funny I, i walked into the church i was running a little bit behind this morning and i walked into the church and i heard jen praying god just redirect reshift read it and i'm going oh man she just doesn't know and so uh or maybe she does profit over here all right so um you know, the Lord does nothing without first revealing it to his prophets, his servants, the prophets, the Bible says. Um, but we just, how many of you know, like, one of the things, the mantle on this house, I don't know if you've heard the word. Maybe I need to play it sometime from Brian when he was with us. And what he released was really that we walk in the the belt of truth. And that's really something that's on our house is just, just truth, truth, truth. Like, just not coming off of truth and, and ever just never going to come off of truth, you know, it's just something that um, we walk in and we need, especially in this hour when so much deception is present in the earth. Um, However, with that, I feel like um, there's a temptation. There's always a temptation when you carry something heavy, a revelation of something heavy. There's a temptation to get lopsided, what do I mean? Like one leg kind of longer than the other. Like we can get the truth leg real long, but neglect the love leg. And the next thing you know, we're, we're hobbling and we're hobbling along. And we just, we don't want to do that. And so um, we want the fullness of Jesus so we can be a house of truth. But I, I really feel like um, we just really, I think we have, unfortunately, and the Lord's redirecting us. But um, it, it's okay. It happens. Uh, how many of you know we're just not Perfect. You know, this this season of my life, I have been in just a, a really tough season, probably the, maybe the one of the toughest in my life. And uh, and so, y- you know, ap- I apologize to some if I've seemed at moments distant or this or that. Like how many know that that the guy behind the pulpit goes through things, too. And so it's just normal part of this walk and pruning and, and stuff like that. And so, um, I, I apologize for that. Um, but in in that I'm just growing and I'm just, you know, what I'm realizing is just, we're never going to be perfect. (laughs) We're just not, you know, it's just, you can, and honestly, it's super exhausting striving to be. And so why, you know, and so they're just the faking it until you make it. And there's just a temptation for that, man. I don't care who you are. It just is a temptation for that. You know, especially when God is moving in your life, and you and you, you got a good revelation. You got a good, uh, you know, touch from the Lord. You're experiencing God's presence, man. You just, you can easily be tempted into thinking, you know, uh, you know, I my poop don't stink. I got all, you know, this and that. I'm not saying that's what I did, but I'm just saying you, it's you can, you just can't. There's a temptation. And there's a temptation, too, to become holier than thou. There's a temptation, too, to get so caught up in truth that you think you have the truth, not a truth. And just I don't want us getting in that gutter. And I, I don't know that we are, but I just don't want us living there. I really don't. And there's just a truth that, is <laughs> that is, I, I really want to have, man, and it's the love of God, man. And it's just that this, this God loves us. Like this God really, really loves us and He really, really accepts us. And you know, it's an amazing thing to live in truth and live in purity and live in holiness and and to have the, the fruit of the Spirit in your life. We need that. You shouldn't be looking... Uh, This year, you shouldn't look the same as you did last year. When we get to this time next year, you should, by default, look more like Christ than you did last year. But here's the thing. It won't have anything to do with you except your willingness to yield to it. That's your part alone is to say, here I am, Lord, help that's it. Listen, you can't manufacture it. You can't create it. And let me tell you another thing. You're not gonna be more loved next year when you're more like Christ than you are right now in this moment. That is just a fact and a truth. You're not more loved at the end of your journey than you were the moment he came and pulled you out of the pit. He loved you the same then and he loves you the same now. And we really need to accept that and need to live from it too. And we when we begin to encounter other people in our walk and the way that we live, we need to look at people that way too. Like he doesn't like, listen, we may have more favor because we've grown in the favor of both God and men. Why? By staying on the straight and narrow and on his path. And he who is faithful with little will become faithful with much. And therefore God sees our faithfulness over time and he adds, but our value and the the measure in which God loves us doesn't change from us or the prostitute down the street. It just doesn't change. He's not a shifting of shadows. He just does not change now again what their life looks like and our life look like may could be completely different based upon what he can trust us with and what he can't but he'll never ever ever love you and you cannot earn this love it is given to you absolutely unconditionally i uh years ago i i just was being challenged in another testing season and in trying time and and, uh, and I was just broken and the Lord came and he spoke to me and um, it was really a restoration um, period for me. I had just slipped into stuff, which how many of you know we just do and sometimes we don't even realize it. And uh, and he was so gracious and merciful of me to not leave me there, you know, but came to me and, and, and loved me. And he said to me and I knew where it was in scripture and he, he said, you know, Brett, do you love me? And I said, yeah, you know, I, I, yes, Lord, I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. And I said, Brett, you know, do, do, he said, Brett, do you love me? I said, yeah. He said, feed my lambs. I said, Brett, do you, he said, Brett, do you love me? I said, oh, Lord, you know, I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. And basically, he was like, you know, what he was saying is like, okay, you love me. So get up off your tail, clean off the dirt and dust off of yourself and get back to work. Basically, you're worrying too much about you. You need to love my sheep. Like I've called you to something. Do it. So this time was a little different. Um, the Lord came to me, and, and I, I'd never heard it this way. And it just it just messed me up. And the reason I'm sharing it is because I believe there's an encounter and there's an impartation for you to receive. Uh, that's how God does it, you know. It's through encounter. That's why we're called The Encounter. Um, but he came to me, and he said, Brett, do I love you? And I was like, Whoo I said, yes, Lord. And he said, feed my sheep. And then he said, um. He asked me again, Brett, do I love you? And I said, Yeah, Lord. You love me. <laughs> he said, Feed my lambs. And I said, and then he said it again, Brett, do I love you? And I said, Yeah. And he said, Feed my sheep. And and, and again, meaning this time the issue was not my question of uh me loving him or my behavior or uh my desire or heart to love him. It was It was the posture of my heart to receive his love in that I had created this standard for myself. That no one can live up to, you know, and and he just broke that down and came in and just bread. I love you like I love you like I accept you. I chose you. You didn't choose me. I picked you. You didn't come for me, I came from you. Listen, I got born again, really set free, born again at a young age, but but in bondage and darkness. But God came and got me in, the, in, a, in a jail cell. And listen, I'm really convinced that God doesn't love me anymore right now standing behind this pulpit than he did the moment I was sitting in that jail cell. It's the same God and the same level of love in that super freeing. It's it's super freeing. And I want to read real quick. Let's just turn. I'm just going to let the Word of God do what the Word of God does. And uh, I'm going to go to First Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, we all know it. We've all heard it. But it's okay. But let's pray real quick.
1: Holy Spirit,
0: <laughs> I, I do not stand before you some great orator um lord i stand before you as a as a man and i humble myself before you and i ask holy spirit help holy spirit let's pray this together holy spirit help give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation In knowing you as love, Holy Spirit, shed abroad the love of Jesus in our hearts. First Corinthians 13, if I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but did not love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal if I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body so that I could boast about it but I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. What do I hear here? That I could get on my face six hours a day, eight hours a day in prayer, sacrifice sleep, sacrifice health, fast more than all of you, Praise God that I speak in tongues more than all of you Does it matter? But if I don't have the love of God, it means absolutely nothing. And it also tells me that I can't earn any of that stuff. You know, the Bible says that we love him because he first loved us, meaning that any love that we think we have towards the Lord or towards others really didn't originate From us in the first place, but only came by the revelation of his love for us. Love is patient. And kind, you know, God is. Patient. And kind, God's not in a hurry. God sits in eternity, not subject to our clocks. He can go backwards in time, forwards in time. He can do whatever he wants to do. He's not bound by any of it. He's kind. Love is not jealous. This is ungodly jealousy. This is not the godly jealousy where God is a jealous God and wants our love for him. He wants to be first in our heart. This is ungodly jealousy. This is... Um, the jealousy that looks upon what others have and think that we're robbed because they have it. God, of course, does not have this kind of jealousy because God, of course, is lacking nothing. Or boastful or proud or rude. You know, God's not rude. I've had, listen, I get stuff, my mind runs so fast sometimes that I interrupt people when they're talking, because I just, it just runs, and I have to repent, it's so bad, I have to repent all the time, like, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, please forgive me, you know, God doesn't have that problem, you know, he doesn't have that problem at all, I know, me and John do it at each other a lot in our conversation, it's just funny, it's so funny, though, because we have mercy for each other, though, and so it's just kind of like, we just don't say anything, we just let it go, because he'll do it to him, he'll do it to me, and we're just like, it's bad, though, it's rude, man, I should do that, I should do that. God doesn't do that. Sometimes that's why we don't hear God because he's not going to interrupt us while we're talking. He'll just wait for us to exasperate ourselves. And then when we're not expecting it, he steps in and says, "Mm, this is right, this is wrong. (laughs) It does not demand its own way. God is invitational. He's not demanding. It's just the way he is. He, he invites you. He invites you. Come follow me. Come Come follow me. There's some things he requires in following us. But what this means is he's not coming up to you and grabbing you with a heavy hand and saying, you, are, you better follow me. And you better follow me in every bit. Be- I don't care how weak you are. I don't care. How, follow me. That's not God. God will come to you and say, listen, this is the right way. This is the wrong way. The right way, you'll be blessed. The wrong way, you won't be. Come follow me, please. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. This is a revelation of God that the world just does not have. It's why they blame Him. It's why insurance companies have a thing called an act of God. Because they don't get this right here. They're like, "Man, tree fell act of God." I don't you need to go read Job because when his house fell, it was not an act of God. It was the devil. Love never gives up. Love never ever ever gives up. Love doesn't lose. It's proven in the end of the book. Love wins out. Love never loses faith. That's a hard one, man. It is always hopeful, it endures through every circumstance.
1: I want to pause right there. I just jump over.
0: Real quick to Psalms 136, 26 times. Psalms 136, 26 times it says His faithful love endures forever. 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 And ever, and ever, and ever, and ever, and ever, and ever, 26 times. His faithful love endures forever. It endures through every circumstance. There's not a a moment you've sinned, uh, fallen short. Um, been cut off um desired something you shouldn't not been given something you should have that in that moment his love was not present and enduring it 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 never let the same love when you heard the gospel for the first time and it reached into your circumstance gripped your heart and washed you clean of every crud that you had done in your life, busted through, kicked hell in the teeth, snatched every devil out of your life. That same love is there in the midst of every trial, every tribulation, every failure, every shortcoming. It's there. It's present every time. It is still waiting and actively present for that prostitute that comes that used to come she doesn't do it anymore and get in the car with her johns in the middle of our parking lot and go understand his this love is standing there enduring for her in that moment that if she'll just simply look to it she'll have it unhindered this is true it's central to our gospel Prophecy, speaking in unknown tongues, special knowledge, they'll all become useless. But love will last forever. Now our knowledge is, is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy only re- reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, when when we're made perfect, when Christ splits the sky and the dead in Christ are raised and we receive our our immortal bodies, this mortal puts on immortal. This tent becomes the perfect temple of the Most High God. When that time comes, these partial things, they'll become useless. They're useful right now because we're still navigating this life. Tongues are useful prophecy is useful seeing in part though it's only in part it's it's useful to keep you on his way but at that point it'll become useless when I was a child I spoke and I thought and I reasoned as a child but when I grew up I put away childish things now these now we see these see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror but then in that moment we'll see everything with perfect clarity all that I know now is partial and incomplete. This is the Apostle Paul writing this, like, you know, two-thirds of the New Testament. And he's like, everything I know is still incomplete and partial. But then I will know everything completely completely. Just as God now knows me completely. I love that. Why? Because my knowledge of God may be incomplete, but God's knowledge of me is complete and he loved me anyway. I want you to think about that for a moment. We're in this room singing, we love you, Lord. We're in this room daily. We're waking up saying, God, at least I hope we are. Daily waking up saying, God, I love you. God, I need you. God, I want you. God, change my life. Touch my life. Change it. But we only know, God, a fraction of what is to be known but God in his perfection and in his ability to know all sees us from our beginning to our end and knows us completely and loves us still. That means a mistake I made this morning, God foresaw it, foreknew it, and loved me anyway. That means the mistake I made 20 years ago, God foresaw it, foreknew it, and loved me anyway. The mistake I may make... In the coming days, weeks, years ahead, God foresees it, God foreknows it, and He loves me anyway because He sees completely. He's not seeing dim or puzzled. These three will last forever faith, Hope and love. And the greatest of these is love. I've been reading first and second Samuel and it has just been wrecking me. I, I well, I've been through it. I'm in Second Chronicles now, but uh so it's cool because in first chronicles you kind of relive it all and, and it keeps it afresh. But um just what baffles me is in just to me is such a picture of the love of God is the life of David in in realizing, and I mean, God just has been crushing me with this reality of just the way that I view others, the way that I really, that I view myself. Um, and, and I just want to invite you in, into this. And I want you to think about something for a moment. Here's a man that has absolutely everything he ever wanted. He's been vindicated by God. Um, he's been a- actually given access into um, some new covenant realities in an old covenant because of the fact that he pursued God and sought his face and everything he did, he inquired of God, you know, and here he is. He's got all the wives he could ever want. I mean, there's never been a a, a woman that was permissible for him to have that God t- just denied him. You know, he never did. He, he, he in matter of fact uh, we see him even take out, uh, one guy and give him Abigail. And so her, her husband was a a scoundrel and he kind of curses God and he's really got a wicked heart and all this stuff. And God just (laughs) takes him out and she becomes his wife. Like, I mean, that's literally what go read it. It's what happens. And so, um, you know, you just see God, he's never been without, he's got, He's beaten every foe, multiple giants. Not only has he killed giants, but his homeboys have killed giants. I, I mean, he's just, what What more do you want? They sing of him. Saul killed his thousands. David his ten thousands. And David did nothing but inquire of the Lord and just obey and walk out and, and seek his face and have a heart yielded. Not perfect, though. You know, no not perfect. So the other thing I think we we misunderstand and it's been taught, and so if it's been taught wrong to you, I apologize. But when the Bible says that that um, David was a man after God's own heart, it did, it it does not mean that when we read about David we see God's heart on paper. Um, it doesn't mean that that David had the same heart as God. And I've heard that preached that way, and people will say, Well, see, God was a man of war and this and that and then, no no no. That's not what that means. What it means is is that David wanted to know what was on God's heart and what God preferred and what he liked. He was a man after understanding the heart of God. He was a man who pursued and sought God no matter what. I've mentioned it several times when they come in and they raid um, where David was staying and they take his wives and his children and all the people want to kill him. And, you know, what does David do? David doesn't say, well, yeah, bless God, we should probably go get them. That's the right thing to do. No, David stops and he encourages inquires of the Lord, Lord, what is the right thing to do? And there's moments when David doesn't do what he should do in the Lord and all throughout the journey, but his heart was to do what God wanted him to do. That was his heart, and that's the heart that we should have. We, we have to understand we're not going to be perfect in that. Like, you're not. Doesn't matter, like Paul said, you can have mysteries all you want, but you don't have love, like, you're still going to miss it. We only see a little bit of, in, in part We're not going to, the most masterful, prophetic person in this room is not going to hit the ball a thousand times out of a thousand. You're just not going to bat it. And so, but the heart, the posture of heart, the love towards the Lord, the surrender, the yielding, the desire, that's what God found in David. And so here is the man after God's own heart, has everything he ever wanted. And he got, you know, lazy a little bit. And the boys went out to war. And he decides to stay back. And one morning he, or evening, whichever it was, goes up on the top of his house, you know, and here's the king and he he could have anything he wants. And he looks and he sees a woman who had just come out of her her time of the month. And so um, that's actually what happened. So she was having her time of the month. And so back then, you know, they were considered unclean during that time um, because, you know, they didn't have, Again, a lot of the amenities that you ladies do in, in 2021. And so what they would do is afterwards, they would then wash and bathe, and then they would be clean, and then they would be able to go worship and do this stuff. So literally, she's going from, you have to understand this, catch this. She's going from being unclean and literally washing herself to be clean. And her desire in doing this in, would have been to go worship the Lord. Because this whole time, during this time, she's not been allowed to go up and worship the Lord because you're not allowed to do it. So in the midst of this woman preparing herself to want to go, like, worship the Lord, David looks and sees her and desires her and goes to her. Um, now, we don't know. Did some, some believe David raped her? I don't believe that. Um, I don't really think David had a hard time uh, convincing her. So, y- you know, I mean, he's king, good-looking, king. You know, who's going to deny the king? You know, it's kind of like that thing. I'm sure he probably used some pressure and there was, you know, some manipulation and stuff there, I imagine. I don't know. Um, we can only speculate. Or or did she just fall in love with him as well? Um, because w- we know that, you know, her next child goes on to become king. So he must have very, they must have had something very special, you know. And so what does he do? He takes her and he, he lies with her often and frequent enough that she becomes pregnant and so what does David do instead instead of you know uh owning up to his mistake he calls in who by the way the the husband is one of his mighty men who's been with him and was with him traveling and fighting and one of his closest of a 30 it's his it's his homeboy and he takes um his homeboy and Brings him in and tries to get him drunk and get him to go home and have sex with his wife to, you know, um, so that he can cover up the baby. You know. And the guy is so honorable and noble that he refuses to go lie and sleep with his wife while his brothers are out in battle. My brothers can't go home and be comforted by their wives. I'm not either. So what does that get him? It gets him killed. You know, David writes a letter and sends it to his his general and his captain. And he says, you know, when the battle starts to break out, pull back and let, you know, Uriah be killed. And he actually hands it to Uriah and makes Uriah carry his own death sentence. I want you to think about that now. This is the man after God's own heart. And many of us would stand in judgment. Now I'm going to flip it. Many of us would stand in judgment. I'm never following that guy. I will never. You, you get out. How many? I'm telling you. When I read that, the Lord was like, "Would you leave His church?" I was like, "Whoo, yeah." You know, (laughs) 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 yeah. But he was anointed king. That didn't change. And actually, David's heart. You know he made a mistake. David made a a big mistake, but his heart was still towards the Lord. And so then the prophet, you know, we know he he kills him. You know he dies, and then he takes her, you know, as his wife, and and she um, ends up having the baby. And the prophet, his which many believe is actually his own son. I don't know if you know that, but many believe the Nathan listed as David's son is Nathan the prophet. Many believe that. And so what was most likely his own son came, and he's like he tells him a parable. And the king's like, you know, about a guy taking a sheep and a lamb and all this. And he basically says, what have has ever been withheld from this person? Basically saying, like, what has God ever withheld from you? What has God ever that you didn't ask God and he not give it to you? You know, what what is there? And that's basically the parable he told him. And then David it, hears the parable, and he's like, oh, that guy needs to die. Like, kill him. You know, that's David's heart. He's like, he deserves death. And Nathan's like, actually, it's you, buddy. You know, and he flips it on him, and he's like, oh, I'm caught. I'm found out, you know, because what's done in darkness will be exposed in the light. And so what does David do, though? He 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 repents, and he mourns. He cries out that God would maybe have mercy on the baby. But, of course, he doesn't, you know. David reaps what he sows. You know, I need you to understand that because it's old covenant. And I, 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 that's another thing I, I'll get to in just a moment. But it's you reap what you sow. And so he sowed murdering Uriah and he reaped the death of his child. Like that's really what happened. And, um, and then, of course, she gets pregnant again. And God takes what the devil and David meant for wrong and he flips it around for good. And the son becomes king, Solomon, and God redeems it. Um, I, I, I want you to know something, that God didn't love David more when he pulled him from the sheep field than in the moment that he ordered Uriah murdered. That God loved David the same in the moment. God loved David the same. Think about that. This is an old covenant, God. It's said about David that David did everything that was pleasing uh, in his life. Everything he ever did pleased the Lord except for the matter of Uriah. That's what it was recorded as. That's a better record than me, can I tell you that? That's a better record than most of us, if we're really honest. David gives us this beautiful picture in Psalms 62, 63, sorry. This, this is the same, same guy, you know, I want you to think about that too. That many of you, how many of you would say, I know there's a lot. How many of you would say Psalms is probably one of your favorite books in the Bible? Raise your hand. You'd say that, Psalms. Yeah. It's probably one of your favorite. It's my go-to like all the time. I love it. Get written by the guy that did this. Killed Uriah. Took his wife. Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you. This is the heart of David. This is the man after God's own heart. This is the heart that we need. In this parched and weary land where there is no water, I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and and glory, but listen to what he says next. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. David does another sin later in life, and he he performs a census when he shouldn't have. And uh, the Bible says later that Satan enticed him to do it. Um, but God comes to him and he says, uh, "You have three options. Um, basically, I'll I'll let these kings come in." and uh kill you i think it was for three or besiege you for three years and uh, i'm I'm probably gonna get it wrong and then uh the other one was um something else that had to do with other people as well and then it was a plague sent by my hand for three days and it's i want you to grasp this now what does the bible say about falling into the hands of god yeah It's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of an angry God, right? It's a terrible thing. That's what it says. But this is what David says. David goes, Lord, let me be kept in your hands and not the hands of man. Why? Because he knew his unfailing love, God's unfailing love was better than life itself. He knew, God, I'm better off with you angry but in your love than I am in the hands of these ruthless men. That even in your anger, I trust the same guy that wrote Psalms 136, 26 times that your love endures forever. for for. he's like, I know maybe I'll find I'd rather I'd rather trust in your love and mercy than the love and mercy of a man. God, your love is unsearchable. God, we look at the life of David and what a scandal. I mean, if he did that today, he'd be under the jail, he certainly wouldn't be king. And Lord, that was your love under an old covenant. That was your love under a covenant with the blood of goats and bulls. But Lord, we are in a new covenant. A covenant that Isaiah writes was cut by the destruction of your own soul. The word is karat there. It says he sacrificed his own soul for us. That word karat in Hebrew is the same used when a male is circumcised into the covenant of Abraham. Abraham. It's what they, they describe, the cutting of the foreskin and the throwing away of it. And it says, Christ's soul was karat for you in sacrifice. Utterly destroyed and cut and rendered. Beaten beyond recognition. Crucified. Literally a covenant, the Bible says, is ratified in the greatest love. That no greater love than this, but to lay down one's life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did. He ratified and bled, shed his blood for this new covenant, ratified in greater love. That Paul calls us now under the law
1: of love. Lord, forgive us
0: for moving on from love, coming off of love, not being rooted and grounded and found in love.
1: Forgive us for passing by one
0: person after another. Why? Because we don't really know your love. If we knew your love, we would tell them of it. Forgive us for the measuring stick we have every day that we measure ourselves with of
1: success and failure. Oh, I was lovable today, so I'm good.
0: (laughs) You couldn't be lovable or unlovable if you wanted to be. He loves you. And you can't change that. Love, God, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that means he has not changed his mind about you. He loves you.
1: What you get because of what you've done is one thing. But His faithful love endures forever. God, your love is better than life. So right now, We receive. We receive your love. We, by faith and in hope, receive the greatest, which is love. We receive it now. Not because we deserve it or earn it, but because it's readily available for us. I break off shame off of every person in this room right now. I break shame every bit off of you right now. Every lie, every time you just looked in the mirror and told yourself, I just got to be better. If I could just be better, then God would love me and give me. No, no, no. God loves you. There's not a thing you can do to change that. Holy Spirit, shed abroad the love of Jesus in our hearts. Lord, let us love each other right now. Let us love ourselves. Let us love us with your love. I break off those of you that have felt uncomfortable in your own skin. Snap that now, by the love of God. You have a seat at his table. You have a seat at his table. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
0: Thank you for joining us on Encounter Podcast. We pray it has been a blessing to you. We would be honored if you would prayerfully consider supporting this ministry by becoming a monthly partner or sowing a one-time offering helping us bring the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ our Lord to the lost and the continued training and equipping of His bride, the church. For more information on how to become a partner or make a donation, please go to Encounter1078.com and click on the donate button. Thank you and may the mercy and grace of the Lord Jesus be upon you.